Welcome to the Dr. Berg's Healthy Keto and Intermittent Fasting Podcast, where Dr. Berg takes you on the journey for the truth about getting healthy and losing healthy weight. Well, today I have a very special guest. Um, his name is Ben Patrick. And if you have knee pain or back pain or whatever, I mean, this guy is the guy to learn from. He's known as the knees over toes guy. Okay. So um, I'm actually, I signed up for his program and I swear my, my lower back is just feeling incredible. So we're going to talk to him today. Um, I mean, this guy has orthopedic surgeons critiquing his videos, like all positive. He has uh, coaches of Olympic teams talking about his work. He has pro athletes, physical therapists, really impressed with his work. So welcome, Ben, uh, to this interview. Well, thank you for that intro. You're too kind. Maybe I can hire you to do my, in my intros. Always. Hey, I'm available. Okay, I'm totally good. available to do that. <laughs> Look, I've been a fan for a very long time. You've done a lot for me. So hopefully I can return some value today. Awesome. Well, today I want to really talk about knee pain because uh, your, your your rehab program is quite remarkable. I, I just want to tell you, you don't know this, but um, a while ago I had, uh, I, my back has been killing me. And of course, you know, in high school, I was training incorrectly. I was in a wrestler, went to college, wrestling college, and I, I did everything wrong and blew out a disc um, and ended my whole career. And so every time I try to start to put weight, you know, put like do some deadlifts and things and put a lot of weight on that disc, it just blows out for at least two to 14 days. So uh, I decided to get an MRI and uh, nothing showed up, no protrusions, nothing. My back was actually intact. So, so then I stumbled on uh, your stuff and I started to use your um kind of discoveries on the on the knee but actually for my lower back and you know walking backwards doing the sled backwards oh my goodness did that work like a charm so i want to just pick your brain and uh, share because there's a lot of people listening right now that have not only knee pain but um they sit a lot they have low back pain and your stuff is just dynamite but i want to first start just like what does it mean uh knees over toes what does that mean so the <clears throat> the reason for the knees over toes name is because a big myth started about 50 years ago of don't let your knees over your toes and so for me coming up i was always told that but i had disastrous knees and uh partially artificial kneecap by the time i was 18 couldn't play basketball anymore and i never trained with my knees over my toes but the moment you want to step downstairs or jump or land from a jump there's intense pressure on your knees over your toes and that was the only conclusion that they found 50 years ago is when your knee is over your toes there's more pressure on your knee but it didn't determine that was a bad thing it just determined there's more pressure there so we'll be able to dive in and look at that's how you reverse out knee pain is actually by figuring out how to safely apply pressure so you can handle that Wow. So, um, I'm, you know, I've, I read your, your books and, uh, um, basically the, the methodology of how they train us now in high school, junior high school, college professional. I mean, it's just like, it's incorrect. It's totally outdated. So you, you basically, you had some serious knee pain. I think 
early on that led to yep. a surgery. And um, then you had to kind of like dive, do a deep dive to figure this out yourself. T tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So my chronic knee pain started about age 12. So I didn't even quite develop right. <clears throat> I worked so hard to be good at basketball in terms of the skills, but I just didn't have the body and I had knee pain starting at 12. So by the time I was in that 18 to 20 range, my knees were a mess. I had no uh, muscles around my knees to protect them. Couldn't play basketball anymore. And I already had a, I have a, a dead guy's meniscus. I have a some, some kind of plastic substance for a kneecap in one knee. Um, my, my quad tendon that even like holds things together had to be surgically repaired. That was actually all on my left knee. And then my right knee, I still kept trying to play basketball, even though I didn't get any college scholarships or anything like that. Then on my right knee, I, I was diagnosed with a torn ACL, had more tears. So at this point I was like, I was just completely at the bottom with my knees in my mind, it ruined my life. And at that point I just gave up basketball and was like, if I could just figure out how to have healthy knees, how to bulletproof my knees. And so then I, I just went on a journey of that. And it was kind of fortunate that one side was full of surgeries and the other side was torn up, but I didn't have surgery. And I was, even though I should have had surgery, I was too depressed on, I was like, no way, no more surgery. So those two very different knees <clears throat> actually made my journey a lot tougher to work my way out of it because surgeries can leave things really stiff after, mm -hmm. but then non-surgery leaves it like too loose. There's not, it's not connected. So this gave me a, actually a really good starting ground to figure out a lot about the knees. And that is the fundamental principle I figured out is that all the attention on athletes to get faster and jump higher and accelerate forward, forward, forward we actually are super imbalanced and we're too weak backward and we don't get enough training backward. And that actually restores the circulation and the strength. So that's the, the foundational principle is just how do you get stronger backward? You know, I, I just want to bring up a point because a lot of my um, philosophy is opposite of mainstream, which makes total sense. So here you're trying to get forward, forward, <laughs> forward, and you go backwards. So, um, you Literally know, I'm doing, I know, and I'm doing, um, I'm, not only am I going backwards, but I'm doing this, I'm pulling the sled up a hill. So I'm living on a farm right now and I'm Jeez. actually using the hill. And uh, you talk about taking it to the next level, pulling a sled up a hill about, I don't know, hundred yards. That's the best workout on the planet. I mean, you get cardio. It's just my knee. I mean, you know, what's interesting. And I want, I want you to explain the difference between eccentric and concentric because we're we're working like the eccentric muscles and uh, there's, there's less soreness. Like I'm not getting sore like I would the other way. Do you just want to touch on that just yeah. a little bit? Here's a good way to explain it simply. If someone has seen a backward sled drag and my editor's amazing, he'll be sending visuals and so we can look at all this on screen, but a backward sled drag would be like the fundamental starting point, 200 meters of backward sled drag. Now, in your case, you have a hill plus a sled. So let's not try to envision that yet. Let's right. just envision you've got some smooth turf and you're dragging a sled backward. Even if I mistakenly loaded the sled with a thousand pounds, you'd be unlikely to get hurt. It just wouldn't move. Whereas if I mistakenly put a thousand pounds on a squat bar and then you bent your knees, you'd be almost guaranteed to have catastrophic injury. 
So both of those positions allow you to train the strength of your knees, but with the sled, there's way less chance of injury. You can also get into a rhythm where you can't exactly lifting weights. You have to be a, a bit more cautious and take, you can't just like start pumping out and getting into a rhythm. So we not only have the safety, but we have the circulation. Kids have this just incredible circulation. They can heal everything in their body. And as we get older, it gets harder and harder to heal our body. So that's the first thing that backward sled starts establishing is it starts strengthening our knees. And then the second thing it starts establishing though, is the circulation. Cause we also probably have to heal stuff much easier. If you're a kid and you have no injuries, you have no pains. Now you get older, you have certain pains and injuries and you're trying to strengthen. So you have this, like this double whammy at you. And so the sled allows you to kind of solve both those issues. The only reason I'm doing it up a hill is because I have no area on this piece of land that's flat. It's like, it's up and but down. But a hill that's is valid. The, what's that? A hill is valid. And I yeah. just wanted to explain the, I just wanted to explain the sled by itself. Yeah. The reason the hill. So when you, when you actually work backward up a hill, that's much safer than going down the hill. So mm. if you think um, so many of the people who do my program, they love hiking, but they start my program because they can no longer hike. Like it's too painful for them to go downhill. So going downhill is too painful, but a hill is a valid replacement for a sled because it provides resistance, but you get to control. So even if you went backward up the hill and you took one inch steps, fine, fine. You just made it backward up the hill. And then you would go down intentionally, slowly and take small steps. So you'd, you'd ideally want not a mountainous hill, but a, a, a smooth, safe hill, not something jagged. But this would be putting in the work to get stronger. So like in your case, by you putting in the work to go up that hill, you would be more protected than someone else of the same characteristics if you both had to go down a mountain and actually like survive going downhill. It's so true because when I'm when I get when I take the sled off and I'm like or the hookup for the sled and I walk around, it's like wow, I could go down, go down a hill so much easier. I feel more stability for someone in their uh 50s, 60s, 70s that are older, um, mention about um, the right level. Of, you should probably just start walking backwards, right? Without anything. <laughs> walking backward is a, definitely a good start. And everyone could find, so we covered a sled. So someone listening, someone listening to this has a sled at the gym and they're going to go, oh, wow, I can start dragging that thing backward 200 meters before each workout to get the circulation going. Someone else listening is going to go, oh, wow, I have a good hill. I'm in Florida, no good hill. <laughs> and it's raining, but we have a sled. Now, if you have a personal treadmill, I wouldn't advise using a gym's treadmill because they might not appreciate it. But if you have a personal treadmill, then you can actually put your butt against the handle and, you, and don't turn it on. And you use your own strength to spin the belt backward. And about five minutes of that is going to equal roughly what we would get in a traditional sled workout. A lot of people have gotten their way out of knee pain and gotten stronger and jumped higher and things like that. Just from that, we call it a, a reverse dead mill, backward dead mill, because the treadmill's not turned on. You could even put your treadmill to an incline, perhaps, and put it on like the lowest speed. Some people have said that works. So some treadmills go to an incline. You could put it on the lowest speed, turn around, and the treadmill's nice because you have handles right there. You can balance. So there's when you, when you really start working at this as I have for a long time and trying to figure out solutions for people, there's quite a few good alternatives. You could even with a partner, you know, these, um, resistance bands are super common, super easy to get. 
And so even if you had a flat surface, no weights, no sled, no treadmill, you can take, you know, if you have enough length of band or what I do is I take two traditional round bands, tie them together. And then I put it around my back and a partner puts it around their back and we can actually go 200 meters each way, but you do it. You have the, the person resisting going intentionally slowly. And then the person, the person working is trying to be very controlled, but you can get some resistance and get stronger backward that way. So that would be a quick rundown of options. Fascinating. So, so if someone has um, um, pain upon walking, when you walk backwards, you're using the opposing muscles and you're really, um, you're creating symmetry. It would, it would be, you're creating more symmetry because there's an imbalance, right? Yeah. Yeah. The body is designed to work right. So if we go with that principle, okay, the body was designed to work right. So where have we deviated? And most of us have gone after all kinds of pursuits or accumulated pains and injuries. And then we didn't restore the opposite of the pain or injury or the opposite of what we were trying to achieve. So that's the foundation just gives us the balance, gives us the circulation to heal. Our body is capable of doing some pretty powerful healing on its own, but it has to have the right inputs and things like that. Oh my gosh. I mean, even me, I would, um, I always had this uh, thought that it was, it's really hard to evaluate myself. I need someone external to go, let me see what's going on. I can evaluate other people all day long, but so my thought was, oh, I just need to really stretch my psoas and that's really the problem. But when I saw your stuff, I'm like, wait a second, I have to develop these opposing muscles since I've been sitting behind my computer for a very long time. And I'm not creating enough strength on the opposing muscles. I would, I, I was really a big biker. So I would do biking, right? I'm talking like hills. Oh my gosh, you get off that bike and your back is killing you because you don't bike backwards. So, you know, it's so when I saw your stuff, I'm like, wow, this, this is finally something does make sense here. And then obviously I'm like watching what you can do. You can dunk, you're six one. And you, you still can dunk. It's incredible. I'm 6'2". There's no way in heck I can ever dunk. I would Maybe someday I can do it if I keep doing this. Um, and then you also, you can do this, I think, the splits, right? Yeah, I can, do this. I can dunk and I can do the splits. And so it's pretty uncommon to have both of those abilities. But a lot of people can dunk, but I reached my 20s having never even been able to grab the rim. So it's very unlikely for someone who can't naturally dunk to then 10 years later be not just dunking, but like easily dunking every which way. And so my past coaches are like, what the, when they've been interviewed, they're like, what the heck happened? This guy went from, you know, not even being able to grab the rim to now throwing down all kinds of dunks. So that's a, that's an unusual thing for that to occur, but it's unlikely through these last 10 years that anyone has done as much strengthening backwards as me. So when I go to jump, my knees are capable of handling so much. So I can go jump with full effort, just like the young person who hasn't had any pains or injuries yet. So that's allowing me to give, I tell my body, hey, I wanna jump higher, but if there's knee pain or weakness, your body's gonna hold back. So it's almost like you can get strong enough backward to handle a force forward. It's still gonna be a math equation. I can, I can drop from all kinds of stuff, but I couldn't drop from a hundred story building. So it's still a math equation of life, but we can, we can adjust these by the inputs we put in. I hear you. It's like when I was in practice, I would work with a lot of people over the age of 60 and they, some of these guys would start, they, they're in the mentally they're, they're still 18, 
and they're they go into CrossFit with very poor training, right? And they're they're just they're overtraining like crazy. They blow out a joint and it's over. It's like they, they'll pull Achilles tendon, right? I mean, that's like, and now now what? Now you're gonna let that thing heal for I don't know how long. And of course, the way they're gonna rehab it is not gonna go backwards. They're not gonna work the opposing muscles. It's just devastating. So it's incredible just how much incorrect information that's out there. Incredible. Yeah. And it's, it's all understandable. Each piece of data that's incorrect or that prevents us from healing, it's understandable how the initial conclusion was come to, oh, that's a tough position. Let's completely avoid that. But completely avoiding that means we're relegated, some of us, to lives of painkillers, surgery. So I was already on that, that track because I beat my body up so hard at a young age. I was already hooked on painkillers in my teens. So I quite literally reversed my way off painkillers. And, you know, that turned into a career. I wasn't expecting that. I was just trying to get out of pain. So I think that there's some powerful methods, but they do take correct techniques. It's not, it's not necessarily easy, but it's usually simple. So I think that's something that someone first has to realize, okay, this might not be easy. I may have to find a safe hill. I may have to find a good sled. You know what? My local gyms, they might not be set up for it because they've already set up a certain way for the bodybuilding muscles and so on and so on. So it, it might not be easy, but usually the solutions are pretty simple. They take a little more learning and understanding versus just instantly running the moment something seems tough. Totally. Um, let's, let's pull up a little clip and uh, maybe you can just kind of uh, give some some pointers on like how someone they should focus on if they go backwards, you know, some basic principles or things or, or uh, tips or rules that they should be thinking about when they start this exercise. Beautiful. Beautiful. Start intentionally slow. That's, that would be number one, start intentionally slow. Then when you're walking backward, you're actually going to think with your toes first. So when you go out today and you're taking a walk, you're walking heel first. You're sort of, when we walk forward, we're sort of just tossing the force into our bodies. The moment you go backward, you're not stepping heel first, you're stepping toe first. So with each step, you're actively strengthening versus just passively receiving your body's weight. So every step backwards is active. You're pushing through your toes. And so those are your first two. Start intentionally slow. Think to push through your toes. Then start thinking about smoothness, meaning we're in a position on each step where we have pressure on your knees, but pressure inherently isn't bad. If it's a jarring pressure, we can't handle landing from something too high. That's how you get hurt. So this is now our chance to fight back and get it stronger to handle life's forces. So you want to do it smoothly. So start intentionally slow, push through the toes, go smoother. Now over the course of 200 meters and you could do more, but I feel like it, I feel like you need, and in your case, you're doing the hill plus the sled. So hundred meters would probably be quite a burn. Um, but the point is that it, you're not just taking five or 10 steps. We're talking hundred plus steps here. We're talking a lot of steps. So as you start to get into a rhythm and as you can feel the circulation increasing, it, it takes more time for the blood flow to get to the tendons. So our muscles can pump up easier. You can grab a weight and do curls. You could get a pump easier than it is to get blood flow to your knees. So the tendon holds the muscles to the bones. So those are the areas that usually hurt. It's not usually your 
your thigh muscles, not that someone couldn't have thigh muscle pain, but knee pain, we're usually not talking about the muscles, we're talking about the things trying to hold us together. So those tendons, they take more time to get blood flow to them. So give it some time, start intentionally slow, toes first, be in a smooth rhythm. Then as the circulation starts increasing, don't think if you're using a sled to just add more weight, start to step even quicker. So now as you step even quicker while staying smooth, this really ramps up the burn. And what it does, if you imagine dragging 100 pounds backward, and if you increase the speed of the step while still being smooth, your muscles and tendons would be working very hard. Whereas if you just added more weight, you might start to just kind of lean back more. So if you just, if you just keep leaning your body weight back, are you really doing more work? So it's a very interesting exercise because it's not, it's not all about the weight. You're usually looking for that nice medium amount of resistance. No resistance might not give a burn too much resistance and you might not be able to get a natural smooth step. So this, your step, you should be able to get into a natural step. And so like in our gym, we don't keep increasing the weights. We have male and female weights that roughly work. We can adjust them down if needed. We don't go more. We just step quicker as it goes until we're just gliding, really gliding and exerting all out. So the ideal set finishes at like 10 out of 10 exertion, but without any pain, which is awesome because how many of us, as we get older, we would like to exert all out, but there's so much chance of injury in that. So this is a way that we can exert all out. Kids are out there on the playground with, they're not pulling hamstrings when they sprint. They're just all out exerting themselves and not getting hurt. So this gives us kind of a foundational exercise that we can exert all out without getting hurt. Yeah. So, so what I'm, what I'm getting is that you got to get the technique down, got to get the, so you're not going too fast, too much to end up hurting yourself. I'm thinking of my guitar yeah. teacher, right? Guitar mm -hmm. teacher. He says, no, 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 slow it down, get the form down. Don't try to go too, too much. And then you end up, it sounds terrible. Um, but the point is like, so I think yeah. um, you just gave me a good tip. Cause I'm, if I'm going, what I, what I was doing is um, there's no way I could run up the hill backwards. I, I can't do that. And it's <laughs> not, that's not necessarily safe. <laughs> right. So I'm going backwards. I'm walking, but then I get to a point where I can't go anymore. Right. It's like, there's no more. I, I can't even. Well, that's go good. <laughs> that, that is the end thing that we're going for is that you really exerted your body. So yeah. it's interesting the way we, the way we reverse out these knee pains and get more youthful is by figuring out how to work hard. We have to exert and let our body know, Hey, this is a young body. We're trying to exert all out here. So the more we just tone everything down, 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 and don't exert that actually doesn't preserve the body. The body decays faster. Being sedentary doesn't make you live longer. It makes you live less long, but how do you exert like that without the injuries along the way? So it's, it's a pretty unique exercise of getting stronger backward. It's so active. It's so much effort, but it's fundamentally safer and you get a lot of benefits out of it so that the next time and the next time and a year later, you're more protected. And then when you're going backwards, are you, you're, what muscles are you working more of compared to going forwards? So when we go forwards, you're basically having to pull the ground beneath you and then extend the legs. So you do, when you're going forwards, you do have a lot of hamstrings and glutes and, and it doesn't mean you don't also work those when you go backward, but you're not getting, when you're going forward like that, you're not getting much stimulus 
into these muscles that get closer up to the knee. And when you go backward, now starting with your starting with your feet and then some shin muscles are working. And now there's a vastus medialis muscle, which is like this teardrop shaped muscle by the knee. That's the one that contracts first when your knee is under load. So rather than just receiving the impacts now, you're actively getting that vastus medialis stronger. The vastus medialis relates to less knee pain. So you're able to proportionally get more development, I would basically say, from the ground up, starting with there's a bunch of muscles in your feet. Most of us are locked up in shoes that aren't really designed like a foot is shaped. And then in our training, if we're doing leg presses, the foot is flat. If we're doing leg extensions, well, the foot's not even pressing against anything. Squats, deadlifts, the foot is flat. So all of a sudden going backward, we're loading right through those feet. So we're getting stronger through the big toe and the arches and the Achilles and these lower calf muscles, and then coming up to these muscles close by the knee. And then there does seem to be some effect of strengthening in the psoas, but in a sort of stretched position, because you're having to now move the ground beneath you in the opposite direction. So if you think if you reach your foot back and now you have to move it that way, so if, if people look up what the psoas is, that you're talking about a, a deep hip flexor muscle in there, which is often related with the back. If you just stretch it, some people actually can, can see reduction of back pain by, by stretching it. But if you're not telling your body to get stronger in it, then I don't know if you're quite telling your body like, hey, I need a really youthful lower back here. So stretching it alone versus actually getting some loading, circulation, strengthening in there. There, there are implications that the backward works for back pain. Scientifically, it's barely been explored. Um, but, but even whatever they have done, it's like, oh, wow, it was noticed that back pain improved. So that would be kind of my first guess is that we're balancing things out. We're getting tremendous circulation. We're strengthening in some muscles that maybe we've never actually loaded and strengthened before. When, when you, um, you know, you do the sled or you're walking backwards, um, is there a, some type of rule of thumb of how much backwards versus forwards? The, the rule of thumb is at least as much backward as forward. So okay. sleds have traditionally been used for forward. And I, yeah. think when you, I think when you apply the same intention of start intentionally slowly with a medium amount of weight that resists you, but it's not too heavy, not too light, you get a lot of cool benefits from going forward with the sled too. And you do strengthen up those glutes and hamstrings and things like that. So Going forward with the sled is awesome, but like we have a rule in the gym, you're never allowed to do more forward than backward. You have to do at least as much backward as forward. And so like currently, currently in the program we have right now, I just have four workout days per week. Someone could obviously do extra on Wednesdays and weekends if they want. And Mondays and Thursdays, we go forward hundred meters and backward hundred meters. And then Tuesdays and Fridays, we just do 200 meters backwards. So if you're looking at weekly volume, we're talking about 600 meters backward and 200 forward. Incredible. As far as the, the balance between flexibility and strength, you had a video on that topic. I, maybe you can touch on that just a little bit. We can break it down now better than I've ever been able to break it down because I was on some long flights the last couple of days and really figuring out how to explain how to train for longevity, how to train for youthfulness, how to protect your body. And if you think of this podcast, if we've covered one main thing of going backward so far and getting stronger backward, this would be my next main thing that I would consider extremely important. So 
if we think about a child, we don't see a lot of, I mean, my, my kid's one and it doesn't seem like he's thrown his back out yet. <laughs> so if we think about throwing our back out, I can even, it, nothing's happened to me in a long time, but I can even relate before I did this training. Sometimes I would throw my back out, like picking up a pencil or like getting out of the car in an awkward position. Like, it's not like, it's not like the forces around me injured my back. I injured my own back from within my body. Kids don't injure their own bodies from within their bodies. Like kids don't have non-contact injury. It's, but children are weaker. And so they're constantly getting hurt by the environment around them. They're not strong enough. So if something falls or hits them or bangs or so as we get older, we get stronger. So we're, we're, we're more protected from the environment, but we lose that mobility. And so we're more likely to hurt within ourselves. So it would seem that the way to train for protection would be blending the mobility and the strength. So that's, I use the sled to warm up pretty much every other exercise I do is Even trying before stretching. Oh yeah. We walk into the gym and this is, this is an interesting point. I want someone to realize, okay, the fact that I can dunk is only significant because I couldn't naturally do that. So I did something in my training that changed that. The fact that I can do the splits, I think is only significant because I don't spend hardly any time stretching. So it's like, wait a second, who does the splits with hardly any time stretching? Yeah. The reason is because my strength exercises are through full ranges of motion. I quite literally maintain a front splits through two different strength exercises, a full range of motion split squat and a full range of motion, basically a hamstring type deadlift that if you actually add up the angles, I can do the splits any day of the year and I don't spend time stretching for the split. So that's why it's interesting because there's not many cases or any that I've seen of someone who can do the front splits who doesn't stretch to be able to do the front splits. I only strengthen, but I'm not doing traditional squats. I'm not doing traditional deadlifts. My squats and deadlifts in our way through full range of motion. Wow. So my flexibility is exceptional, but it's not just flexibility because I'm strong through every inch of that flexibility. So this is why I can do, I film just about every day of the year, landing from things, getting into crazy positions. I simply have a more youthful body because I've more, but I can also dunk because I've tried to, I've tried to stay so dedicated to this idea of strength through length meaning not just strength, not just stretching. The kid has the mobility, the, the power lifter has the strength, but they're both getting hurt. The power lifter is hurting himself. The kid is getting hurt against the outside world. So if we blend those qualities, now you're less likely to hurt yourself and less likely to get hurt from the outside world. And as we age, we lose strength and flexibility. So we just become totally fragile. It's like, a again, it's a double whammy against us. So the sled restores the circulation. Think how many things we have against us as we age. We get stiffer, we get weaker, and we lose circulation. So the sled starts getting the circulation, getting us balanced so that we can even get into deeper range of motion exercises safely. And that's my system in a nutshell. We use the sled before every workout. That's it. We come into the gym. We use the sled to get exceptional circulation and balance going. Then we train all the traditional areas that you would train. We press and we pull and we bend and, and all these things that squat and dead, all the traditional things you would do, none of them in the traditional way, all of them really controlled through our full range of motion. 
This often means starting over with super lightweight or no weight or negative weight of using things to assist to even get into these positions. And that signals to the body that motion and compression through these full youthful ranges. That's actually what tells the body to signal more healing, send more nutrients to the area, try to get younger. So we're all somewhere, but we all could probably adjust our training to be more youthful, more protected than what we currently are. I'll tell you, my, my goal is to get younger as I get older. So far, it's working. But now I want to, you kind of inspired me to take it to the next level. So I'm going to keep doing your program until I can dunk. That would be <laughs> something that like a first and then about a I week. Think I think the internet would break. Yeah. I think the internet would break. if. You well, I would, I would love to do that. And then I'm going to, um, I'll be, I think, either 57 <laughs> or 58 next week. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing the program. You look and, incredible. Uh, See if I can uh, do that with uh, your advice, of course. But um, for those of you who are watching, I'm, I'm definitely, um, you need to sign up for his channel and do his program. It's an online program. I'll put a link down below. You guys should check this out, not just for knee pain. It goes way beyond that. It's like you're building your foundation. Like very few people work on the lower part of their body. It's like, it's all just like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to the gym and work the upper part. They neglect not only the lower part, but in the right training. So you get the flexibility and the strength. I, what you came up with is actually so remarkable and it's simple, makes sense. So I appreciate you discovering the stomach illness. Unfortunately, you had to go do it because you hurt yourself. But if you never hurt yourself and you never probably had that surgery, you probably never would have forced you to figure this out. Well, thank you. And yeah, best thing that ever happened to me. Now I'm <laughs> able, I'm able to just play with my kid and go dunk every weekend I get to play basketball and it, it's yeah. it's you can't even imagine I couldn't even imagine the joy that I'd be able to get from a weekend pickup game with my friends and being able to throw down reverse dunks like I'm an NBA player or something so oh. and now my goal is to dunk when my kid can dunk so he's one so this is my my entire training goal every workout is calculated how am I going to dunk when I'm 50 and the program has to be so good that of course he's going to have to dunk because he's not going to have the genetics to naturally dunk. So I can't, that's, that's my, that'll be my greatest moment of my life will be dunking when my kid can dunk. Totally. Is it, you think it's possible? Is there hope that I could maybe dunk someday? I think, I think there's hope. Everyone starts out at a different height. So at six, two, if you could get probably to the levels that not necessarily in, in in the events that they're doing. But if you look at masters athletics, so you, people are training for masters long jump or masters sprinting, things like that. If you could get to those type of joints and kind of put all those characteristics together though, the, uh, I think it would be possible. I'm going to go for it. Love it. So, so I will do that video and see if I can pull it off, but, um, thank you so much. This has been awesome. And, uh, um, for those of you watching, definitely check this guy out. It's like awesome stuff. So thank you so much. Thank you. Hopefully I was able to return some value today. Absolutely.